those of you wondering, I picked these backgrounds specifically. Admittedly, I don't always have exactly what I want, but I picked this one specifically because I feel like the fluid nature of this water uh, helps really emphasize one of the things I like about this episode. It is a very fluid episode. The director went way out of his way to make it clear that the flashbacks might be real but might not. And both writers that were really involved went way out of the way with their finished product to actually make a teleplay, or a screenplay rather, where it was unclear as to what was happening. I'll talk more about that last, but I just felt like pointing that out. I don't have much to say about this episode, even though I really enjoyed it. Season 4 continues to be a really good season overall. I really have no complaints about it. And as I mentioned, I think, earlier on, I think Season 4 has risen in my mind to be my actual favorite Voyager season. I used to say it was Season 3, but re-watching it, especially with analysis mode on, Season 4 has just been great. Let's talk about the original script a little bit. The There were actually two original scripts. Uh, the original, original script was a little different. The original, original script had a situation where there was a guy who was trying to steal Seven's nanoprobes in order to create his own private drone army and use it to conquer his own planet and rule with an iron fist. And yeah, you can see how that uh, would go. This idea was pretty much immediately shot down, but they took some of the elements of the story and kept going with it, because one of the key points of the story was the writer, uh, writers actually, excuse me, wanted to really examine Seven feeling like a victim. That was a huge deal. Now, in that original, original script, obviously she was a victim. She was, well, she was physically violated. She had pieces of her ripped out of her and used in order to create an army of evil. It sounds kind of cliche, but it is pretty horrible, and it deliberately recreates the feeling of being assimilated by the Borg, something she was horrified by, remember? So good character stuff there. So they took, the, they lifted the character stuff, lift, lifted some of that, and created the second script, which they then almost immediately torpedoed and decided to flesh out significantly more. See, here's the problem. The second script had a lot more sexual connotation to it. I mean, and, and I don't know details. Nobody's talking about details. No one w is willing to discuss that. But basically, everyone's like, the original script was a lot more um, sexual. It was a lot more inclined towards uh, that kind of forced, a man forcing himself upon a woman kind of a thing, and the intimations that come from that uh, concept. Now, I have made no uh, hidden fact about the fact that I don't want that crap in my fiction. Any of my fiction. At all. Uh, ever. I've had to deal with that enough in real life. Thank you very much. So, I'd rather that just went away and wasn't in my fiction. But it's in Star Trek? Well, it's funny because this boils back all the way back to the episode The Darkling. You remember that? In The Darkling, the original thing was going to be a lot darker, a lot more horrible, and have some more sexual connotations to it. And they decided to get rid of that. They felt it was crossing a line. I had this whole discussion about that. Well, they looked at the script, and they read the teleplay, and they did a few... Uh, I forget what they actually call it. It's when they run through a scene, basically in, like, a, a room. They're not on the set. They're just running through a scene and going through it and seeing if they like what they do. It's the closest thing to rehearsal most of these things get. Yeah, believe it or not, they don't actually do rehearsals for, for Star Trek Voyager for the most part. And you might be like, oh, of course! But no, that's actually really impressive that the actors can do this stuff basically with one take. and just. Anyways... So they were doing that, and they were like, this is horrible. So they dialed it back a bit, and in order to replace that aspect of violation, instead they brought in a second character. 
you notice in both of the previous stories, I didn't mention the Doctor at all. That's because he wasn't in there. The Doctor was brought in in the third and final version of the script, the one we actually have, in order to flesh it out into the story we have. So it was as much a Doctor story as it was a Seven story. Well, that's not true. Because in my opinion, it is way more a Doctor story than it is a Seven story. But it is still a Seven story. Um... Let's go ahead and skip through a few notes. I have very few notes here. Uh, like I said, short video. I like how Janeway knows how to negotiate somehow. This is for a woman from a species who typically does not have currency and usually does not engage in trade and who was a science officer before she became a command officer. Shrug. <laughs> I also was irritated by one thing and liked it at the same moment and for the same reason. I was really torn on this. In the last episode, there was a wedge between Seven and Janeway. Now, that wedge remains in this episode. That's good. Um, the restrictions placed on her are removed at the beginning of this episode. That's bad. But they mentioned that it's been a while. And, in fact, they mentioned that it, it's been back and forth since the previous episode. That's good. It, me it gives the intimation that there's been some time passage since the previous episode, which is nice, helps create you know, that whole continuity feeling thing. And it helps to show that Seven has been struggling with this whole, I have an individuality now and I'm trying to fit in with a military crew kind of a thing. I also like it for one big reason. Janeway has a great scene where she's talking uh, with, uh, with, with Seven. And she doesn't seem frustrated so much as she seems despondent. I know that's a weird word to use, but the whole way she's praying, this is a great balancing act, okay? We know that Seven and Janeway are on thin ice with each other. We know the two of them aren't interacting well. And then Seven does something horrible, and Janeway's like, ugh. And she just doesn't want to deal with this anymore. She's trying, trying to reach out to Seven, and it's getting harder and harder as Seven, in Janeway's opinion, is not reaching out back. And then Janeway finds out that Seven was abused or hurt or otherwise injured by this guy. And as she points it out later in the episode, she leaps on the train to, to help defend Seven. She is, there's a line where the guy says, you're willing to, 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 to jeopardize our trade negotiations on the word of one crew member? And Janeway instantly and without hesitation says, yes. Now I found that interesting because I feel she might have been a little bit more hesitant, personally, if it had been anyone else except Tuvok. I think if it was Tuvok, she wouldn't have even hesitated. But I think if it was anyone else, she would have at least hesitated or looked into it more or hedged her bets more. But with Seven, again, we already have this dynamic. She's already trying so hard to reach out to Seven. And now seeing that there's a reason, there's a reason for this, there's an excuse, there's something that explains why I can't reach out to this person I care about. Oh God, it all makes so much sense. And she just leaps to her defense. So does the doctor, for that matter. But for a different reason. The Doctor's flaws are obvious in hindsight. The Doctor... It, it, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but as I was rewatching, I was actually watching this one with uh, my sister for once. Uh, she decided to join me for this episode. And we're sitting here watching it, and his approach was so leading. He wasn't trying to pull memories out of her. He was trying to, having read a textbook, delve into human consciousness by trying to probe her into what he believed the results should be. Listen to his dialogue. Listen to how he leads her. Listen to how he... I mean, there's a, there's a term called leading the witness that exists in, in legal uh, nomenclature. And it exists for a reason. It's when you say, well, maybe it was like this, or maybe this happened because of this. You give them ideas which they then expound upon, right? He was doing this the whole time to her. 
And if you pay attention, her flashbacks were very vague until he kept leading her and kept leading her. Until we got to something where the flashbacks were actually shown much more concretely in literal cinematography and what we're seeing, we the viewers are seeing. Then again, <laughs> one of the other things I like is uh, Seven's total inability to deal with anxiety. I know that sounds weird, but once again, I have to point out, this is a woman who has basically never dealt with anxiety. Remember how I mentioned how even a little bit of fear... Uh, oh, have you seen that episode? I talk about this over in my Generations video. I don't know when that's going live relative to now. I recorded that like a month ago. Um, I talked in my talk, will talk, have talked in my Generations video about why Data reacts so so violently to to feeling fear, because any amount of fear is insane at that point. You've never felt it before. You have no comprehension, no ability to deal with it. Same situation with Seven. Even tiny little things that would not make a normal person just kind of you know, feel irritable are magnified. One of the other things I feel like pointing out is this is the third episode in a row in which Seven has demonstrated the fact that she honestly wants to reach out and gain Janeway's trust. And Janeway has been trying to reach back, but this is the final time I'll mention it because the next episode is The Killing Game, but just keep all these little points for these three episodes in your mind when we finally get to The Killing Game, and I'll finally talk about that point. Um... So, the uh, fun fact, two writers actually worked on the final script of this. I mentioned that uh, earlier. And they decided jointly to go ahead and make a situation in which it was not obvious what the truth was. The idea was to leave enough hints that you could believe either way and it could work. Now, I personally think they did a good job on that. There's plenty of evidence that could indicate that he actually did something to her. For example, they keep fixating on the fact that these nanoprobes were active in the same manner that they were there, that they were regenerating. And they would do that if they were programmed to do that to be experimented on, right? Oh, but they also reacted that way to the phaser blast. So obviously it was the phaser blast. Ignoring the fact that they could still have been constructed in the previous manner, right? Now, the man himself keeps talking about how desperate he is in the situation and how horrible things are, and, you know, he's, he's on the edge and losing his job, blah, blah, blah. And at the first thing, you might be thinking, well, that's an indicative of innocence, and yet, this is a man who obviously is already in desperate straits. If he is this afraid of the authorities, if he is at this point in his life where even one flaw in his record is enough that he's willing to let it go, he's probably already desperate, desperate enough to... For example, steal some nanoprobes from Seven. You kind of see how I'm going with this. The, the pieces are there. Feel free to make up your own mind, and I genuinely encourage all of you to tell me what you think happened. And I encourage you to, to pause the video and do that now before I tell you what I think happened, because I don't want to taint your info. You know, I don't want to lead you on, okay? Three, two, one. Okay, welcome back. Um, I think it was both. I know, third option. But honestly, that makes the most sense to me. I don't think he took her and took her nanoprobes to create a drone army. <laughs> no, that's dumb. And it also doesn't actually work that way. All that would do is make a drone army for the collective. No. But I do think he took her, I do think he injured her, and I do think he tried to take some of her nanoprobes. Well, succeeded, obviously and tried to do, use those in some way to increase his profits or experiment. Like I said, the man comes across as desperate even before he gets to the point where he is suicidally desperate. This man commits suicide for all intents and purposes. Try to keep that in mind. We don't know what's going on in his backstory. 
Maybe there's he owes lots of money to the local mafia, for God's sakes. I mean, who knows, right? So this, But regardless, this man comes across as extremely desperate. Desperate enough to do something that is basically the biggest crime for his people. But I don't think he was desperate enough to do something so insane and so obvious to catch. So I think he was also innocent. He was just also guilty, if, if you understand me. But the intention for the writers was not to answer that. They deliberately never answer that question. They will never... In, in fact, if you'll notice, they actually mention in the episode, the investigation has concluded, and they never say what the conclusions are. Because that's not the point. They want you to make up your own mind. And of course, the point is about the Doctor. And about Seven. This is once again another good step forward for Seven's character. She has come to grips with something that she does not know how to comprehend or deal with. This is also another little hint of that whole survival versus living thing. Living comes with negatives, too, after all. If you get cut, that cut can be mended quickly, especially by Star Trek standards. If you're cut in there, and I mean emotionally or mentally, there's no technology to just mend that. And as a Borg, she wouldn't have to deal with that. As Seven, she will. And coming to grips with that kind of pain, and coming to grips with the idea of remorse or anger or vengefulness is something that is going to, again, help her become her. Not to become Annika Hansen, not to become Seven of Nine, to become Seven. Honestly, I don't feel anything else to, to talk about. Her arc is obvious. But the Doctor is interesting because he calls back, all the way back to the episode The Swarm in this episode. He offers to be basically wiped clean. To, for all intents and purposes, he offers to kill himself. This is, of course, assuming you think of the Doctor as a living being, which I do. But he offers to wipe his slate clean and erase himself, kill his personality, his mind, his, pers his memories, all gone, in order to fix this situation. Why? Because he's a Doctor. Again, this is the same thing in The Swarm. He, had, without hesitation, without a moment's hesitation, is willing to do this kind of this horrible thing to himself. It's actually the same thing, if you think about it. Because he is a doctor first and foremost. He wants to heal people, to help people, not to hurt them. This is interesting because this, I, the idea that he'll have to live with the knowledge that he hurts someone is something that will come up again in a later episode whose name I forget, um, in which he literally suffers such a psychological feedback loop that he can't function at all um, until it's resolved. And we'll talk about it when we get there. It's, it's a good episode, but it's got some bad parts. It's a weird situation. We'll get there. And yet the funny thing is, in Season 7, last season of this series, we're going to get all the way up there to Episode 5. I looked it up. I got it right here. Episode 5, Critical Care. I thought of that episode immediately when I saw this. Because the first thing, I, for those of you who don't know, in that episode, the Doctor willfully causes harm to another to try and help others. Interesting way his character has gone, right? Whether that's character assassination or not is debatable, but... I actually think it's in character because I'm reminded of what Morden said over in Mass Effect 2. There are many ways to help people. Sometimes you help people by healing them. Sometimes you help people by killing others. I'm paraphrasing, of course. It's an interesting speech because I think it's true. I don't know if, I don't know if it is true. I just think it's true. Just some food for thought. Let me know what you guys think. See you next time, guys. What are you working on? 
I'm trying to decode the message Starfleet Command sent us several weeks ago. Any progress? None. I'm working on a new decryption algorithm. I'd like you to set it aside for a while. I have another assignment for you. What is it? The captain wants you to help Coven integrate the new weapon system. I'd rather not. I find him inefficient. Maybe so. But you seem to work well with him. You've been asking for more responsibilities. I thought you'd be pleased. The captain gives me greater liberty only when she needs my expertise. You violated her trust. And if you want it back, you're going to have to earn it. One step at a time. I will report to engineering. <laughs>